pandemic teaching is getting old. So this episode of Teach Like a Boss is all about freshening up your classroom practice with new tools and ideas. Keep listening to find out how you can spice things up with discussion tools, podcasts and audiobooks, fun formative assessment, and book creation and response to text. Whether you teach kindergarten or grade 12, we guarantee that you'll find something new to try in this jam-packed episode. Coming to you from the southwestern corner of Manitoba, sharing fresh perspectives from real educators. Tune in as teachers relate their stories of professional learning, classroom practice, and the challenges they've overcome to teach like a boss. It's a brand new episode and a brand new season of Teach Like a Boss. I'm so excited to be back for season three of Fort LaBoss's podcast that is recorded by teachers for teachers. And my name is Devin Caldwell. I am the Teacher Professional Development Chair and I'm here with Mike Thiessen. Hi everybody. It is really, really exciting to be here. Um, I'm really looking forward to a new season of uh, Teach Like a Boss and wow, it's really fun to be in the classroom with you, Devin. It's, I was just saying, you know, it's really fun to be here talking about learning, talking about teaching and working with kids. I feel, I feel energized. I'm, I'm excited. Well, we've had a fantastic morning with some professional learning yeah. and I think we both just felt it was the right moment to record this podcast. It really episode. was. Yeah. Cause we're feeling inspired. Yeah. Right? Totally which, inspired. Which is great. Yeah. It's exciting. So our topic this morning that we're going to share with you is just some fresh new ideas to breathe life into the work that we all do with students. And I hope that lots of the things we're sharing are scalable from kindergarten to grade 12, or you can put your own spin on it, or it'll even make you think of something else you could try. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, the goal for this podcast is to make it so that we can learn from each other and then hopefully bring some fresh ideas for you in the classroom, or maybe, maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's uh, as a I don't know, <laughs> a teacher candidate or something like that at the university or, or, you know, somebody like myself who's working at the division office where you can use these ideas within the work that you're doing every day. So this podcast might seem like a little bit of a hodgepodge. We'll just give you an overview of what we're going to talk about. We've got four big ideas or areas. We're going to talk about um, online discussion tools. You can use in person in the classroom or in the event of remote learning. We're also going to talk about podcasting, audiobooks, like alternative kind of delivery formats that mm -hmm. support a variety of learners. Yeah. Um, some formative assessment tips and tricks and our favorite tools. And then lastly, books and reading and how we can bring those more into the classroom in fresh and new ways. Awesome. Yeah. Let's get going. Okay. Right on. Um, so our first topic is online discussion tools. And the first one that came to my mind when we were talking about this was one that I use at the university level, but it would be great for, I would say, probably grade four and up. It's called Parlay Ideas. It is a paid service, but when you sign up with your institutional email, I believe you get five free discussions. So, I mean, that's one every other month for the entire school year. So, I love Parlay Ideas. Check it out. It's really great in um, subject areas like social studies, science, English language arts. There's many pre-created discussions. So, for example, um, I used one with my students about... Um, the development of New France. Hmm. So it starts off with some knowledge construction and it will give like maybe a couple of YouTube videos like a historic Canada vignette to watch, maybe an article or two to read. So students spend a bit of time becoming familiar with the just the information. Then Parlay Ideas assigns all of them a pseudonym. So they 
Like that's up to you. You don't have to use pseudonyms, but the pseudonyms are fun. I think students sometimes share more. And then there's all of these discussion prompts that they engage with first on their own, then they engage with each other's ideas and respond. That's really cool. I like the way it takes the different mediums and incorporates that into that as well, because then it allows different you know types of learners and, and those people. When you have that in there, it really changes things and it makes it things that uh, makes it diverse. Yeah. For, that's it's excellent. lots of fun, and as the discussion's going on, like your students will be working on their devices, you as the teacher kind of get the, the behind-the-scenes view of who's saying what. You don't see the student pseudonyms, and then you also get to um, see all these neat analytics at the end. Like it creates a word cloud of the discussion. It creates graphic representations of the discussion. So I really like Parlay Ideas, and I'd encourage teachers to check it out. You could do it fully online when you're not in the same room. You can do it in the same room. And then there's a live roundtable feature as well that I'm not as familiar with. Okay, <clears throat> right on. A couple other things that you talked about were, well, Flipgrid was another one that you talked about. And I know you've used that one in the classroom as well, right? Yeah, Flipgrid's great. Um, it was acquired by Microsoft a couple years ago. So it's totally free. You would just sign in with your Fort LaVos credentials. It's web-based and app-based. And what it does is it just allows you to create discussion prompts that are largely video. Hmm. So you could type a discussion prompt for your class, it then generates like a flip code. The students download Flipgrid on their devices, they sign in however you want them to sign in, there's different options, and then they just take a video of themselves responding to the question. And depending on how you set it up, they can view each other's videos and offer comments, or you can have it that only the teacher gets to see. Right so I've used Flipgrid to collaborate with other classes during Global Read Aloud. Hmm. So mm -hmm. um, another teacher and I would partner on a Flipgrid. I'd share the, the flip code with that other teacher in her class. And then we would all talk about a book together by all recording our individual videos. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's a fun way to discuss a book or even to activate students' prior knowledge. You could even use it probably for summative assessment if you wanted kids to Absolutely. you know, really share um, what they had learned about something. Yeah, for sure. No, that's excellent. And another tool that you've used quite a bit is Padlet too, right? That you've been using yeah, for years. Yeah, Padlet's been around for a yeah. long time and it's such a basic interface. It's just like an online bulletin board, mm -hmm. um, but they've really added to it over the years. Like you can post, I think, videos, audio files, images now, um, like sticky notes was kind of how it all yeah. began. <laughs> yeah. And you can control how it like arranges it all. So like you might use it to like activate prior knowledge, find out what students know on a topic. Um, again, I've used it in Global Read Aloud, hmm. where someone creates a Padlet, they share it with all the classrooms who are involved, and then we all respond to different prompts about the book. Yeah, and it's cool because I've seen that tool used from really early years all the way through to university, and it's mm -hmm. it's so diverse and it's so and and it just depends on how you want to use the tool, and it and, and that's the nice thing about a lot of these online um, discussion and like what you've talked about with Parley and Flipgrid and Padlet, they can be used almost at every level. And it doesn't have to be specific to grade eight or grade no. five or whatever. You know, it just depends on how you use the tool as a teacher. And it's all about the pedagogy and how it's, you know, in incorporated into the classroom itself, which is great. You know, we're not going to be specific to one age or, or one grade, which is, which is really important as well. Yeah, and of course, with younger learners, it's going to be a lot more teacher-led. Whereas, and whole class, whereas with older students, it will be more independent. For sure. No, so, absolutely. yeah, Parley no, Ideas, Flipgrid, Padlet, um, they're all free. Parley Ideas only for the first five discussions, of course. Right. And I, I do think they really enhance um, collaboration and sharing in the classroom. Absolutely. No, those are great. 
Next one, this is one that's actually really near and dear to my heart right now is I, I do a lot of learning through listening. And so right now we're doing a podcast yeah. and it's become very important. I, I mean, I feel really excited about the fact that we're doing it again in October here of 2021. We did one all last season, you know, yeah, last, last and year. and the year before too. And the year before, exactly. So to be doing it again, podcasting has become a really important part of, of learning and, and collaboration as teachers and, and learning from each other. And so I think um, you had mentioned one of the tools and that was Anchor. Yeah, I love using Anchor. It's a free app that you can download. It, I believe, is owned by Google and linked to Spotify. But what it does is you can record your podcast right in Anchor if you want, or you can record it another way. And then you just put your file in there and you, you know, create your description. And then once you hit publish, it pushes it to all of the different podcasting platforms for you. What a so time it, saver. Oh, oh like you just have to upload it to like a third party site, get it yeah. to generate an RSS feed, and then independently have it going to Apple, Google, Spotify, all the different places. Anchor is so simple to use, totally free. So if you want to experiment with podcasting yourself or with your students, check out Anchor. It even has copyright-free music and sound effects and transitions and everything in there. That's fantastic. Yeah, what a great tool. And that's, that's the nice thing about nowadays when you get these apps and you can save so much time. And now you can get right to the creative part of it, you know, yes. creating the content yeah. itself rather than focusing on the tools or, you know, the, the part where it takes that extra time. It, it allows you to do what we're doing right now, which is talking, which well, is, yeah. And Anchor's just added two new features that would be really useful for educators. So if you create a podcast in Anchor, since it's linked to Spotify, it pushes it to Spotify as one of the places it goes. And if a student or a listener listens to your podcast in Spotify, you can either ask them um, multiple choice questions hmm. or polls. Okay. And after they listen to the, the podcast, the poll or the multiple choice questions will pop up. And students can actually respond to <laughs> teacher-created prompts. So check out that feature in Anchor. And as long as your students listen in Spotify, they'd be able to make use of that. Well, that's valuable too as a creator. Because mm -hmm. now you know what people are asking or wanting of you or maybe responding to. And what was it that interested them yeah. in that? Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Um, something for me that I've been doing quite a bit recently is doing that learning. And I do it through audiobooks as well. And I've been finding I do have time to read sometimes in the evenings and that kind of thing. But when my mind is freshest, is in the morning, I'm on my way to work, mm -hmm. I'm ready to learn. And so I actually put that audiobook on, on my way to work, on my drive. And uh, I've been finding that has been really great because now I have an opportunity to, whatever it is that I'm learning about, I can put that audiobook on and I can spend that half an hour or 35 minutes or whatever it is that I'm in the car and take that time to, to really learn and, and digest and, and take in new information. Um, obviously on the way home, you know what? I'm not usually, I'm not usually yeah. listening to audiobooks at that point because I'm tired. It's been a long day and I'm just decompressing. But, but audiobooks have been huge for me. And uh, I think that's one that I think as teachers, um, we could use that tool. You know, we can absolutely, uh, whether it's throwing on the headphones at, at times when you're doing a workout or, yeah. or maybe you're in the car driving to work or driving back from work, whenever it is that you learn best, or maybe it's uh, in the evening, you know, sitting on the couch and you're just relaxing and, and uh, just enjoying the, or out on the deck, you know, enjoying nature or that kind of thing. So um, I know for, for students, um, it's, it's, you had talked about, uh, the, the idea of doing learning while you're walking. Talk to me about yeah. that project a little bit. Oh, this is lots of fun. Like there's, um, there's lots of research out there that supports moving the body while learning. And in children, if children engage in movement 
while learning new information, it actually aids in the construction of new neural pathways. I just mm -hmm. read a study about that not long ago. So um, with all of us being indoors, we're often stuck in a, a space that we can't move around a lot to make sure we're spread out enough. I've just found it's been great to take students outside, give them a mask break. And if you're working with older students, everyone listens to the same podcast at the same time while walking. And it could be either a podcast you've created, a podcast your class has created, or a podcast you've sourced on a topic. So this is mm -hmm. curricular. Mm -hmm. And students get to move their bodies and listen to new content and have a mass break. I found it's been really, really well received by students. That's really excellent. And then you just activate it before and have a short discussion or a mm -hmm. question beforehand and say, hey, look for this or this, whatever it is within that, that podcast or audio book or whatever you're choosing yeah. as far as content. And then, then at the end, you come back together and you can have that discussion around it or, or maybe a worksheet or whatever it is that's working on on maybe talking about the content afterwards and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and discussing that as a group. I like to use an anticipation guide with okay. a walking podcast where like I listen to the podcast first. I come up with some true or false statements about the content in the podcast. Before we listen, students have to read the statement, decide if it's true or false, and then they keep those statements in mind while they're walking. And then after the podcast is complete, we revisit the anticipation guide and then they see how their thinking's changed and they explain um, their thinking. So I find an anticipation guide works really well with a walking podcast. Right on. So Mike, just to circle back to our topic of audiobooks, um, you know it's a good audiobook when you get to your destination and you don't want to get out of your vehicle <laughs> because you know it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite audiobooks that you've accessed lately? So in the last year or so, I've been doing, uh, you know, trying to that self-development, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then also I had a few from going to PDs and things like that. And uh, so one that I, I really enjoyed recently was Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it just talks about how just those little changes, and if you do it day after day after day and you just keep adding on, it makes a huge difference. It's compounding. And, those 1%. Yeah, those 1%. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it just adds up over time. You know, and it just shows you how in the classroom, maybe it's that five minutes or that 10 minutes with that, with that student and making it so that they're able to grasp that one concept that one day, and then you add to it the next day and all of a sudden it turns into a huge amount of learning mm -hmm. over time, which is, which is really, really important. Yeah. So what are some of your favorites? Um, I really love Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk. That was a really great lesson. So many great ideas. Um, also, The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes, which um, was funny as well as just really inspiring about how important it is to say yes to ourselves and then also the power of saying no. And kind of with that in mind, I also really enjoyed The Beautiful No by Sherry Salata. And she was Oprah Winfrey's executive producer. And she talks about how in everyone's lives, if we look back at all the times we were told no, it was actually a beautiful no hmm. that led to huge changes and growth in our lives. Hmm. So those are three that I've really enjoyed lately. Excellent. Okay. Um, one that I actually enjoyed as well is uh, Peak. Um, i trying to remember the author on that one. Give me one second here. Um, that was Anders Ericsson and Robert Poole. Mm -hmm. And it was similar to Atomic Habits in that, you know, it's those little changes. But this one talks about how you have to have purposeful practice. And so in order to achieve greatness, you have to make sure that whatever it is that you're working towards, that you're very pur purposeful in, in what you're doing when you're preparing or, or, or 
practicing for that. And it talks about how, you know, you might have some talent, but it's that practice and that, that working on whatever that skill is over time, that's when it becomes really great. So it's kind of similar to the Atomic Habits in, in that it's small steps, it's little things that are going to make the biggest difference over time. And that's such a great message for our students too, like just looking at things almost through a growth mindset lens, right? That we're not, our abilities aren't fixed. So true. Yeah, we have that innate talent, but it's the hard work and the dedication and the being really intentional with our energies that make the difference in our our achievement and successes. Totally. And you know what's interesting because you can, it's very applicable to teaching, right? Those great teachers, it's that daily practice. It's that day after day mm-hmm. and it's themselves learning and it's listening to podcasts. It's listening to audiobooks. It's, it's practicing that within the classroom and then working with their students day after day and they become better teachers. Our students become better, you know, learners. And it's, it's, it's really remarkable. Those little things that you do day after day after day, they just add up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really important for, for the overall learning for, for students, but then us as, as educators as well. Well, and that's why this is a practice. Yeah. Like we're in the practice of teaching. Yeah, because we don't stop learning. No, and we have the <laughs> opportunity to get better all yeah, the time. Absolutely. Yeah, no, so true. Okay, so our third big topic that we wanted to spend a bit of time on is formative assessment. Yes. <laughs> and I know so often when people hear the word assessment, um, it's not something that they say like a resounding yes to. <laughs> but it makes me excited. I, I like assessment, absolutely. Well, yeah. and I think there's some um, fun tools and practices that we can put into place that make our formative assessment or assessment for learning mm-hmm. just more effective, more efficient, and more engaging for both the teacher and the student. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's using those things and effective pedagogy. That's, you know, that's what's so important, right? And then you can actually see where your students are at, and then you adjust the, the, the teaching that you're doing for them in, in that moment. And you're looking at where is that student at right now? And that's yes. why this formative assessment is so important. Because otherwise, when we're teaching, we don't know if we're actually hitting the spot. Are we hitting the mark? Are we, are we meeting where they're at? And it's so important with teaching to know where our students are at. Well, I know something I've struggled with lately. Um, teaching in person, the kids' faces mm-hmm. are covered with masks. I feel like I can no longer read the students' facial expressions to know if they're with me or not. Like, right. do they get what I'm saying? Is what I'm saying resonating? So now that I've kind of like lost a part of that that was so important to me to inform my instruction, I've had to rely on some different tools. Hmm. And something that I love, and I started using it when I was teaching online, it's called a waterfall question. Okay. So how it works is you just use whatever chat platform or app that you have access to. For me, it was um, the chat feature in Zoom, but it could be Mm -hmm. any chat feature that's available to you as an educator. And what I do is I would pose a question. So I'd say, like, maybe I do it to activate prior knowledge. Maybe I do it to find out what students know about a topic. So maybe I would say, okay, I want everyone to think of an important contribution that um, France made to the settlement of Canada. Hmm. Um, So I, I, I might say, okay, take 90 seconds and think about it. Type it into the chat window, but don't hit send until I say send. So you give students the time, everyone composes their responses, and then you'll say three, two, one, hit send. And then all of the responses cascade into the chat window just like a waterfall. (laughs) So lots of advantages to that. Um, One is that kids don't have a chance to read their peers' responses and then kind of adjust theirs accordingly. And that's That's huge, right? It's what they know. Yeah, absolutely, because then it's about that individual Mm -hmm. and about their information and what they know. That's, That's brilliant. 
Or like I might say at the end of a class, um, I'd like everyone to share one question they still have and one thing that really resonated with them today mm -hmm. in a waterfall format. Mm -hmm. So I did that with online teaching. My students really, really loved it. I really loved it. And I used it in lots of different ways. And then when I went back to in-person teaching, I was like, oh, how am I going to do my waterfall <laughs> question? Yeah. And so two ways. If you're teaching little people, I've heard of teachers using whiteboards. So everyone has a little whiteboard at their desk. Yeah. And you might say, okay, waterfall question, say it out loud, have everyone write it on their whiteboard, and then say three, two, one, go. Everyone holds them up at the same time. Yeah. Um, other way is just any chat platform that's available to you and your students. With my university students, I use WhatsApp. Just okay. that works well for us. Yeah. But we do in-person waterfall questions just on our individual devices. It hmm. also works great. Yeah, that's excellent. And that's the thing too with, with students nowadays, almost everybody is so used to these chat platforms mm -hmm. and they almost, some in some ways they're almost more comfortable putting things into that device that they have, their handheld device, than they are speaking it. Yeah. Especially over this last year because of the, the transition to that remote learning. They've been using the chat feature so much. So for expressing themselves, you're probably going to get more out of them mm -hmm. from that or maybe different, right? Yeah. It might not be more, but maybe it's different that you might not have received with it when it, if it was verbal. So, yeah, I've yeah. really come to rely on those waterfall questions for formative assessment. That's excellent. Well, that's a fun idea. I love it. Uh, I know there's a couple other tools that we've talked about, you know, within where we're looking at devices like Kahoot, right? We were using mm -hmm. a mobile device for that. And uh, obviously that one, a little bit different because you're more multiple choice, you're selecting an answer. But I find with students, Kahoot, it, because of that competitive nature, especially if we have the, those kids at the teen years, they mm -hmm. love Kahoots. It's an opportunity for them to show them, I know this, I know, you know, and it, and they feel, feel good about themselves when yeah. they're doing it quickly and they're, they're answering, they're competing against each other. Um, it's a really great app and it's a fun way to interact. And then also to be, to see where your students are as a group. Mm -hmm. And, and also it's a fun way to make it so that the, uh, the learning is competitive, right? Which is okay. Yeah. And it, it also drives each other and they have those discussions too afterwards. And, and then, and then you can use it as a review. You could use it as a way to activate and it's a, it's just a really great app. It's been a while around for a while, but it is quite popular. Yeah. I mm -hmm. know our middle year students love Kahoot. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. Um, another thing that people have talked about and, and are using in classrooms is just the forms, you know, like whether it's Google forms or Microsoft forms or whatever platform that you're able to use with forms to, to re, you know, create those responses and students can go in and they can use long answers. They can use multiple choice. Um, it's just a way to be able to get that feedback from your students. And then you're able to review it and see individual responses and then use that for, for, for maybe planning your learning for the next lesson. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's to review to see, Hey, what was it that I missed as a teacher? Maybe the whole group missed a certain concept that I didn't teach very well. And now I have to go back and, and teach that again. And you know what I like about Microsoft and Google forms as a resource teacher is that Either one pulls in the accessibility features that are so powerful in Microsoft and Google. Mm. I know when I use Microsoft Forms, there's actually like a little megaphone beside each question and if the student clicks on it, it will read it out loud to them. Incredible. So I like yeah. those accessibility features that maybe aren't always found in some of the apps that we're, we're talking so about. So true. Yeah, Microsoft yeah. does a really good job of that, with mm -hmm. that accessibility piece. And I really, really appreciate that because they have integrated into a lot of different things, including the forms and, mm -hmm. and others. Yeah, that's well, excellent. Um, talking about tools that have been around for a while, um, I've used Socrative with older students and it's worked well. 
I know that's really popular in our school division. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of our high school teachers use that tool as well. Really, really important tool. And it's one that uh, I know that we tap into and use it uh, quite, quite regularly at the high school level. Well, and I like how there is the option for the longer answer. It's not just mm. multiple choice or true and false. Yeah. And I do like all of the information it gives to teachers. It's got some nice analytics, and you can see things in real time and give some nice insight into where your students are at. Isn't that great? Like with these online tools and these apps that we have, that real time, mm -hmm. it's so incredible. Like it just it makes it so that for us as teachers, having that information right away, oh, it's huge. It's, mm -hmm. it's really, really important. So oh, that's excellent. No, right. I really like that one as well. Okay, so those were, I think, some great ideas for formative assessment when we've got like Socrative, Kahoot, the waterfall questions, and then the Google or Microsoft forms. Last topic that we wanted to talk about today is just things related to books and responding to books and creating books mm -hmm. because there's some powerful tools out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, using mobile devices or maybe online uh, books, those kind of things. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of tools that are available that maybe weren't available five, 10 years ago. And, mm -hmm. and now it's becoming every day. It's part of what we do. Yeah. Um, one tool that I used to use when I taught kindergarten and I've also used it at all levels is book creator. Mm hmm. Book Creator started out as an app, really, really powerful app that has the ability to bring in, you can like take photographs to use as your pictures. You can grab things off the internet, provided they're copyright free, of course. <laughs> you can caption and write text, and then you can also use audio recordings. Yeah. And then when you complete the book, it will actually flip the pages. And I think it will export your book into the iBook shelf on an iPad. Mm -hmm. So we used it in kindergarten for all kinds of like different curricular outcomes like we would make a teen numbers book um sometimes we would take a mentor text like um maybe what was that favorite one we loved that's that's not a stick or it's not a stick mm -hmm. and then we would draw our own pictures or create our own images and write like a, a book based on a mentor text yeah um as a resource teacher i use book creator all the time to make social stories for kids so when students with exceptionalities are struggling with a certain area, like maybe separation anxiety or leaving the room to go and work with a clinician, a social story can be really, really helpful to prepare them. It's almost like a script of what's going to yeah. come. Yeah. So I loved using Book Creator in all of those different ways. That's brilliant. That's, that'd be huge for a lot of our, our resource teachers, for sure, because that is a really, really important tool that they need is those, those storyboards, for sure. Yeah. Um, something I know, like when you were actually teaching my son, you did use Book creator at that time mm -hmm. and he absolutely loved it it was that opportunity for him to be able to create his own book yeah and then the fact that it showed up on the ipad afterwards as a as a book on the on the shelf oh that was huge and i, I know he really really enjoyed it um and we were just talking about earlier how it's cross-platform now. Yes. It's online. It's available on Chromebooks. It's available on the Windows 10 machines. So it's, it's not just app-based no. anymore. Yeah, so you're not just limited to that iPad anymore. You can do it anywhere. Well, and I think it's taken it to the next level where it's truly collaborative. Yeah. So you and I could work on a book together in two different geographical locations through Book Creator Online, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. Yeah. And one teacher that I've talked to, um, she had her whole class work on the same book using their Chromebooks, I think. And um, they were doing an A to Z alphabet book. Huh. And every student was assigned their own letter or letters of the alphabet, and they created a book together. So I thought that was a neat use. Wow, that's really good. That collaboration, and you don't have to be right beside each other doing it. Mm -hmm. You can all do it on their own device. Maybe you're doing it with a blended model. You know, maybe not everybody's in the classroom. It can still be possible to actually do a group project without having to be physically right there beside the other person. That's excellent. 
And I don't think Book Creator's free. It used to be that you could make five books for free to get started. I'm not sure where we're at with that now. But if a teacher was really interested in using Book Creator, like, should they talk to you about that, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we yeah. can try to figure out a way that they can get a license for that and then uh, use it within their classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, one last thing we wanted to share about books and responding to books are book snaps. I love this idea. When you told me about this earlier, I was just, yeah, I'm excited. Talk to me about book snaps. Okay, book snaps, it was developed by a teacher named Tara Martin. And when Snapchat first came out, I know a lot of us educators were like, okay, all of our students are crazy for Snapchat. Is there any way we can harness this educationally? Hmm. And I know I considered this and ended up kind of drawing a blank, but not this Tara Martin apparently. <laughs> and I think she was teaching middle years or high school at the time. And so she started letting her students use Snapchat to take a picture of something in text. Hmm. So like, let's say they're reading a novel and she might ask them, you know, like in this chapter, um, just to take a picture of a piece of text that shows a question you have about the character's actions or something that resonated with you or your favorite part or an example of simile or metaphor or just anything hmm. and then you use the annotation features in snapchat to um, maybe highlight it to add your own comment throw on your bitmoji or some other um, like fun graphic things to really highlight your point mm -hmm. and then the student could post it to snapchat with the hashtag booksnap <laughs> or you can just hit the download and download it into your camera roll and share it that way Perfect. Yeah. And then you're able to respond to your teacher if they want it mm -hmm. received back in their inbox and as an email or maybe maybe through WhatsApp or whatever it is that the platform that they're using. And well, yeah. and Seesaw, if you use if like with younger children, yeah. your students can do this right in Seesaw. Perfect. They just hit the plus yeah. and then they choose the camera. And then the student uses their device, takes a picture. Mm -hmm. With younger students, maybe they're just photographing their favorite page. Right. And just yeah. adding a caption to say why. Right. But you can do it right in Seesaw. And then you can use all the annotation features in Seesaw and they can put it right in their learning journal. Hmm. Instagram stories work well, Facebook stories work well. Um, and just as always, it's what's the acceptable use policy right. for those tools. And I think often it's like 12 and up or 14 and up. So yeah. teachers need to be aware of that. Absolutely. Yeah. But any text over image will work and Seesaw has um, that photo thing right in it. So. Oh, that's fun. I really like that idea. What a great way to get that response and be able to have that interaction with uh, between teacher and student mm -hmm. and then being able to have their own voice, right? And have that creative element to it as well. That's excellent. So if teachers want to see examples of what book snaps look like, just search Tara Martin book snaps and she has a whole blog post on it and lots of great student examples. Well, that's really fun. Okay. Awesome. Well, I think that comes to the end of our time together today, Mike. Like, okay. so just to wrap it up for our listeners, we started off with our online discussion ideas. We talked about parlay ideas, Flipgrid and Padlet. Um, we spent a little bit of time on podcasting and audiobooks. We really recommend Anchor for teachers who are interested in podcasting, that walking podcast idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One last thing we should throw in, maybe teachers don't actually want to publish a podcast out there for everyone to hear. Good point. In that case, you could probably just use any audio recording yeah. and just share it in your class Google Drive or Absolutely. Microsoft OneDrive. Yeah. So podcasts don't need to go out there. No, no. No, you could share it with your students internally and yeah. just have it maybe within your classroom or in. And everyone listens. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about formative assessment strategies like Socrative, Kahoot, Waterfall, and then Microsoft or Google Forms. And then we wrapped up with Book Creator and Book Snap. So. Mm. 
I really hope people who are listening got at least one fresh new idea. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure every educator in Fort LaVos has so much that they could add to this topic too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because we all have all these fun little mm-hmm. tricks and tips and apps that we've been learning. Um, but I know for myself, I really appreciate what you've brought to the table today. And I've learned a lot already too. So thank you so much for that, Devin. Okay, and we hope educators are off to a great start in their classrooms this fall. Yes, enjoy your school year. Enjoy the time with these students. It's really great to have them in the classroom and to be able to teach and and be part of their lives. So don't, uh, yeah, just enjoy every moment. Okay, thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Any of the resources or information mentioned in this podcast can be found in this episode's show notes, available at www dot flbsd.mb.ca forward slash podcast. Join us next time as real teachers continue to share their journeys and inspire you to teach like a boss.